This morning I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 100, Psalm 100, and why don't you stand in honor of God's Word, and uh, I'd like to read to you this great psalm. God's Word says this, make a, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth, serve the Lord with gladness, come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He that has made us, and we are His, and we are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him, bless His name. For the Lord is good, His steadfast love endures forever, His faithfulness to all generations. God, we ask your blessing on this morning. Uh, We ask that you would write our hearts to be in line with your own, that we would respond to your goodness in proper uh, proper form, that we would uh, treat you as we should, and that we would respond to your goodness with shouts of joy, with thanksgiving, with praise to you, for you are worthy. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning I want to uh, start us off, and maybe you saw the title, and it's somewhat, it seems almost blasphemous uh, to ask. A question that uh, seems wrong to even consider is, who is God that I should thank Him? Uh, I think about that question, and I, I got it from the Scripture, not exactly from the Scripture, but I really believe it to be the question that everyone's asking that uh, as we come to Thanksgiving and hopefully as a family, as uh, God's people, that we will consider His goodness. But sometimes Thanksgiving needs to find a home. We want to be thankful people. We want to be people who enjoy and understand that we've been blessed. But, but Thanksgiving needs to find a home. And what I, what I mean by that is where does the thanks go? Why should I be thankful? It seems like sometimes as I hear people show uh, talk gratefully, it's as if they themselves are talking to themselves. That They say, oh, I'm so thankful that I was smart enough uh, to uh, get this life for myself. Oh, I'm so thankful that I worked so hard that I can enjoy my retirement here in beautiful white Bear Valley Springs. I hear uh, students say, you know, I aced that test and I'm thankful that I did that. And it's like, I'm thankful that I was smart enough to get all those answers right. I think about in in the book of Exodus where Moses was speaking with Pharaoh and he he shares that God is saying, we're out of here. And Pharaoh asked the question that I think many people ask over and over again. He said in chapter 5 of verse 2, he said, Who is the Lord that I should obey His voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. I, I believe that that's what Tehachapi is asking. I believe that that's what your unbelieving neighbors and the, the people around you are asking, is who is God? Who is God that I should listen to Him? obey him who is god that he should have any place in my life and who is god that i should thank him that i should look to him and say uh 
thank you for what you have done. Thank you for how you have blessed me. Um, And so this morning, as we look to Psalm 100, I hope that we can understand a little bit more of God's character and who He is, uh, that we would rightfully praise Him and thank Him today. I want to warn you before we get started that this should not be a burden to you. As God's people, this should not be something that we're like, oh, it's Thanksgiving again. I better come up with my list. We should not be people in the rest of the year that have to wake up in the morning and say, okay, be thankful. You know, This should not be a burden for us. This should not be something that is difficult for us to do. This should not take all that much thought either. I I realize that the more we think about what we should be thankful for, more should come out. But but it should be right there on the surface of our life. It should be right there before our eyes as we think about what God has done for us. And also, I want to warn you that this should not be just a a small, short event, but this should be a, a spontaneous as well as a a consistent and continuous act that we do, that we should be people that are thankful because of who our great God is. I think about why we are not more thankful, and it kind of falls into two categories. One, we we may not have a heavenly father. We may not have a heavenly father. I think about... um, I listen to the news quite a bit, and I, I listen to, um, they, they report on all kinds of things, but a, a lot of times they'll report on lottery winners. So-and-so, Mr. So-and-so, won $300 million yesterday, and none of you care. <laughs> and none of you care. And I know why you don't care, because it's not your dad. You'd be pretty excited if it was. Apart from what you think of the lottery or anything else, you'd say, well, we can set that aside for a day and we can spend the rest of our days talking about how bad the lottery is while we're enjoying life, right? You think about that and you think, why is it that we don't care about those things? It's because it's not our dad. It's not our father. And maybe there's a sense in you where there's no gratitude in your heart because you know the God who has been so good and blessed so many people, you just don't have a relationship with Him. And maybe for you, this Thanksgiving, now is your time to be adopted into His family, to be brought into a a relationship where you now have a Father of abundance who will take care of you and will be your God. The second one, and maybe this is the category this morning of why we aren't as grateful as we should be, you don't know your father. You don't know your father. And you say, well, not know who he is at all, like his name, where he lives, what he does. No, just you're unfamiliar with him. You have a distant relationship with your heavenly father. You don't know what he's like. And when you go through life, you don't see his fingerprints on everything. You don't know his character well enough to really realize how good he has been to you. You haven't connected your abundance and his hand of blessing. 
And really, uh, if you feel like you don't know God that well, look to the book of Psalms. His character is everywhere. His attributes are displayed in the midst of the good and the bad of life. God displays himself in who he is. So this morning, we are going to go through the process of getting to know God. In this psalm, uh, you can be reminded that the book of Psalms, all of them, were things that the, God's people would sing. They were to be reminded, and, and over and over again they would sing these. And so they would sing Psalm 100. I will spare you this morning my own singing and making a joyful noise, even as we're going to look. But in verse 1 it says, it commands, it it exclaims, Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. The picture there of this joyful noise is a trumpet blast. A trumpet blast. You know about trumpet blasts? Some of you who had have kids that have gone through learning an instrument and had that trumpet and and they finally they're they're getting they're trying to figure out how to get their lips on their right to make and they're they're struggling and no noise and then they finally get it, right? And if you have a boy with a trumpet in your home, it's a bad thing. <laughs> the blast. And there's a sense in which it, it, it jolts you. It goes, whoa, wow. There's a powerful uh, noise. Why is that? Because it's coming from the instrument. It's blasting out. In that first verse of Psalm 100, it says, make a joyful noise. you got to make a joyful noise. And I really want to, uh, throughout this psalm, there's a, a compelling, we've got to do this. We've got to do this. This isn't something that, you know, if you feel like it, this is compelling because of what has happened. It says, make a joyful noise. It's like that trumpet blast that, that wakes you out of a dead sleep. And it calls and it, it heralds that something great has happened. I remember going to Mexico and they would come into neighborhoods with these cars and they would, on top of the cars, either for political reasons or for selling some product, they would put uh, um, a speaker on top and they would blast out this music. And, and, and they're calling people to come, calling people to hear of a political candidate, calling people to come and buy bread or whatever they were selling. They were calling people, and this trumpet blast of thanksgiving, of joyful noise, is calling us. And I love that interaction because there's a sense in which we are to do this for one another. We are to do this for one another. This isn't go in your home, close all the windows, lock down the doors, go in the inner room of your closet, and burst forth in thanksgiving and praise. It's not. It's that we should be calling people with the noise that we're making. We should be this trumpet blast that calls people to the goodness of our God. As much as I'd like to, I even mention it here. Verse 1 is not talking about bad singing. It's not. I don't know how many times I've been in the church and uh, the, the choir director or someone uh, is, is prompting us to sing. And they said, don't worry about how you sing. 
It's all about making a joyful noise. And you say, well, there's, you know, there's joyful noise that, that we see as joyful, and then there's just noise, right? That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the sense of, it's not in respect to good or bad tones, but rather that, that spontaneous rejoicing of cheer that kind of blows the roof off. It's that, that idea that, that comes out and it, it startles us. Once again, the trumpet blast of joyful noise. And it's if you've ever been in a crowd, maybe at a baseball game or some sports idea, and the, the team that most people are cheering for, something great happens. There's this immediate getting out of the seat and, and screaming because good things are happening. That's the picture here in verse 1, is that we would loudly, we would loudly, we would be about praising and being that trumpet blast that calls people to the goodness of God. Make a joyful noise to the to the Lord, all the earth. The picture here is this of a parade, of a parade. Most likely a parade where the new king has come. The new king has come. They're they're going throughout the city. They they had been in a a situation where they had had a previous king and now the trumpets are blasting, the people are cheering, the, the, the king is here, there's excitement and, and there's rejoicing that there's a new king and there's something to cheer about. As we look at Psalm 100, we have to ask the question, why would there be, why would there be joy at a new king? Why would there be a sense of throwing a party or, or having a parade if there's a new king? Well, it really depends who your last king was, right? Right? There's a sense if he was a good king and that everything had gone well prior and this next king was selfish and uh, high taxation and uh, everything was to worship and adore him and life was going to be more difficult. The party wouldn't be that great of a party, would it? Wouldn't be that exciting of a time. The parade would not be so significant that people would come out. It would be one of those forced things where everyone's going, Woohoo! Cool! Glad we're here! Oh, gee, life's going to be horrible. Psalm 100, there's a picture here that I want us to get. It's that life is good now. Life is good now. And it's good and it's something to rejoice about because of the comparison of something else. And i got to get this picture in here for you. Have you lived under a different king before? As, as people, there, is there a time in, in your life and place where you can remember where you were serving one of the idols of this world? You were doing your own thing. At least you thought you were. And yet you were worshiping one of the gods of this world. You were bowing down. You were formulating your life. You were giving and serving. And it might have been your own heart that you thought of the lust of this world. And you were bowing and it was ripping you off daily. And, and, and this is the comparison to that old king to the new king. There's something to cheer about. There's something different in this Lord, this God, this King that we have. 
The psalmist writes, he says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, all the earth. I love the way that says that. It's difficult for us to imagine that the entire earth would cheer and shout and be joyful about the God of the Bible. And yet, the the picture here is this, that this is a God over all. It is a God for all. There's a sense in which there is no limit uh, to His people, that people can continue to come. And so all should rejoice at Him being the, the Lord over all. You think about those ones that you have served before and the slavery that we have been a part of. And yet in all the earth, I want Him to hear me. I want Him to hear me. I want my voice to be heard, not to be most significant, but I want to be that loud speaker of God's goodness, of thanksgiving, of shouting, and and letting it out, being that trumpet blast throughout all this earth, that they too might know that there is freedom from the slavery of the kings of the past. I love this passage. It says in verse 2, it says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Connecting these thoughts, you've got to put these things together. It's, it's, it's picturing this new, this great king and the celebration. And, and someone says, well, the king needs this. And it's, choose me, choose me. I'm so excited to be a part of this new kingdom. I'm so excited about this new Lord that we serve. Choose me. Serve the Lord with gladness. I think sometimes we forget because we don't know the greatness of our God. When someone asks us to serve the Lord, we say, let me check my schedule. Let me get back to you. You know, I'm kind of spread kind of thin here. There's not a whole lot of me. I got a lot of things, important things going on. I don't know if I have any time to serve the Lord. It's not just serve the Lord. It's serve Him with gladness. Pushing and shoving, if you will. You think about that and you think about the opportunities to serve. Wouldn't you, uh, forgive me for going this way because I always think about this. The boy with the loaves and the fishes. It's not in my notes. My notes aren't that good anyways. <laughs> the boy with the loaves and the fishes. And I always think about him. Because I, I always think about him because do you think that the, he had the only food in the whole crowd? <laughs> no way. Some of you are like survivalists. You know, you say, I'm traveling all the way down to Bakersfield today. Got to have snacks. You know, got to have water, two cups of coffee, eight granola bars. We could get stuck in the snow and have to survive there for weeks. They were in a culture where they didn't have the, the, the gas station with a mini-mart. Undoubtedly, some of them had food. And yet, somehow this boy got to the front of the line and he's like, check this out. You want my lunch? And could you imagine how great it was for him as he served the Lord with gladness, as he gave his lunch, that he saw his lunch. Look at it go! Can you imagine that? To identify the Lord as the one to serve and to hand Him what we have and to be able to serve the Lord. I want to tell us, 
I tell you, he doesn't need any of us, but what an opportunity for us to be a part of what God is doing. To serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Come into his presence with singing. It's interesting that uh, there's no place that I know of that people sing like this. Do you know that? When you get together, uh, you know, apart from the national anthem and take me out to the ball game, uh, you know, when you go to a ball game, can you imagine, hey, let's, let's sing number 45 today. Look up on the jumbotron and we're all going to sing together. It just seems weird, doesn't it? Why? Because they don't have anything to sing about. There's nothing to sing about. And it says in the psalm that we're looking at this morning, it says, to come into His presence with singing. There's a certain connection for us as people. This is the way God created us. As we are inwardly thankful, as, as we realize the worth of our God and what He has done, this new King that we serve, that it should come out in singing. I realize that all of us, don't sing as well as others. I, I realize that some songs we like more than others and, and we really understand and maybe we can follow along better with others. But there is a sense that we've got to sing. We've got to sing because of who our God is. Come into His presence with singing. There's a reality here that, that the reason why that we are to sing, that, that our hearts should sing out and this praise should come out of us. It's in verse 3. It's know that the Lord, He is God. He is God. Back to the reason we may not be thankful. The reason that we may be filled with complaining and silence when it comes to thinking about what God has done Maybe this is what we don't know. That this Lord of the Bible, this God who spoke, He is God. He is God. He is the King on the throne. We are not. We are not. And if you want to be miserable, hop on the throne. Hop on the throne. If you want to be miserable in your life, say, this life is all about me. I'm going to do life for myself. There's a reason it'll never work. You know why? Look at the Holy Scriptures again. Know that the Lord, He is God. Know that Kevin, He is God. It just doesn't sound right, does it? Because it's not right. It's not right. That we are not the kings, nor is anybody else. There is no sense of other gods. There, there, there are really no other gods at all because He is the one. And for us to live our lives with anybody else on that throne, for us it will be frustrating. It will suck the life out of us. Maybe we're not thanks, thankful this Thanksgiving because we have taken a throne that was only designed for Him. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. This beautiful 
connection with God on His throne and where we stand with Him, that He is our Maker, He is our Creator, He is the One who designed us. We talked about this in the last couple of weeks from Colossians 1. That we are made and made for Him. That we are His possession. That we are His to enjoy and that we are made to serve Him, not the other way around. We are His people. And then it says the sheep of His pasture. The sheep of His pasture. Next week, next week, come next week. Stay tuned for next week. We're going to talk about being sheep and shepherds next week. No live animals, please. But that, that's what we're going to talk about next week. It's going to be a very important service for our church. We're going to talk about being sheep and shepherds. And if you're not here next week and there's not enough people, we'll do it again the following week as well, okay? Or maybe we just got that blank look and i got to recoil and try again. But this picture throughout the Scripture that we are sheep. I won't go into this too much, but it's hard to tell sheep apart, isn't it? They're just this kind of this big mob. When you get a hundred of them together, they, it's like, where are they? They even mark them because it, they all look the same. They all look the same, and they kind of go in a mob. And, and if one gets off or, and a couple more follow, then the rest head off the cliff as well and onto the street. I remember being outside the gate here uh, a few years ago, and someone had a sheep herd there. And uh, some of the sheep kind of got a better idea that it was good across the street. And so they were, some of them were crossing the street, and the, the shepherd was throwing rocks at them, trying to get them on the right side of the road. But we are his sheep. We are his sheep. We are uh, seemingly insignificant and seemingly this unprotected and sometimes dense animal. That, But we are His. But we are His. And we being His creation, being His, His sheep, His people, that we also have a king that's on the throne. You see, that's an amazing thing. I don't know if you felt in life, apart from Christ, the, the idea that you felt unprotected and that, that you, no one was looking after you. Nobody cared about you. Look at the scripture. There's reasons to shout joyfully. Why? Because he's God and I'm a sheep. It's created for him. It's a beautiful picture of a reason for us to know that he is great. And for us to call others to praise him as praise him as well. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. I love that. Verse four. Have you ever come to church and you haven't felt all that thankful? Maybe even today. Maybe even today. Your heart you really feel like your heart has been emptied. You feel like people are taken away from you. Maybe it was your health. Maybe it was someone who you, who you love and, and care for has disappointed you. Maybe it's your own sin that's just like a packing you down. You feel like a pack mule and it's just crushing you and slowing you down. And the sins that you've committed over and over again. And you go, and now I'm supposed to go and be with God's people. Someone shared with me that they feel like sometimes they have to wear a good Christian mask and smile a lot when they go to church. 
And then once they get in the car again, they can be grouchy and grumpy and just be weighted down with the reality of life. And I, I want you to get this connection. I want you to see how this works together. Why are we to enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, give thanks to him and bless his name. Why? Verse 3. Because we know that the Lord, he is God, and that we are his. You know, I, I, I'm always surprised at life and how awful it is. I'm always surprised. When I see uh, sickness and when I see people, we hurt one another and disappoint one another and fail. I'm always surprised at how ugly sin is in the life of a person and even how it spills out onto other people around them. How how my sin uh, affects my wife and my kids and the, the people I work with, the church that I'm a part of, and it just spills out goes everywhere it's like that little packet of ink when you've robbed the bank and it just explodes and you can't get rid of it and it just gets over everything and and there's this picture in in us that you just go i don't feel like being thankful i feel ugly inside and empty and yet i look at the scripture and it says don't be that way be filled with thanks enter with his people get that picture of coming together in joyful celebration But why? But why? It's because of who He is. Not about what the current events of this world are doing. Not because you're healthy. You know, there's a problem with that health, wealth, gospel thing. There's a real problem with it. We're not always healthy and wealthy. It's real simple, right? There's a problem with that. If that's what we are living for, uh, and we're only going to be happy and fulfilled when we're healthy and wealthy. There's a problem with that, isn't it? That sometimes we don't have any money. We have more bills than money. There's, there's days where we feel sick and maybe months and years that we're sick. And if we can't be thankful and grateful when we're sick and don't have any money, we can't fulfill the Scriptures. And God connects it. He says, you can be thankful in me, in me, in our relationship, not in the events of this world. He is the one who is worthy. He is the one who is worthy. Verse 5 concludes this great Thanksgiving psalm. For the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. Once again, connecting it to his character. Not life is good. I like that little phrase. That life is good. Life is good. Except sometimes it's not good. So don't wear that shirt on those days, okay? For the Lord is good. He is the one that there is goodness. And one of my favorite uh, concepts, words in the Old Testament is his steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love endures forever. It's a great concept of the book of Psalms and other places in the scripture where it talks about his love for us as being an enduring, steadfast, always present love for us. And that's great, right? Because uh, how many of you checked the weather? How many of you checked the weather in the last day? 
I did too. I was down in uh, San Fernando Valley and I was going, am I going to be able to get to home last night? You know, I was kind of excited at the same time. I don't really like putting on chains, but it does give you a sense of accomplishment, you know. <laughs> I, I was thinking, what about the weather? What about the weather? And um, earlier in the day, it's, it was it was raining, and then it wasn't raining, and then it was raining again, and it was clear, and it was and everything changes all the time. Everything changes. Life changes. The place where you live changes. Your health changes. Everything changes. But as I look in Scripture, for the Lord is good; His steadfast love endures. His love for us, His stuck love, His His love, His covenant promise love, His love that will is beyond our problems. It will endure forever, forever. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. There's more, but wait, there's more. His faithfulness to all generations. His faithfulness to all generations. Styles come and go. I was with uh, uh, some of these men that are same vintage as I am. We were talking about high school and what the fads were in high school. And and this one, he must have been a lot more stylish than I was because he was just belting them out. He says, 501 jeans, pegged, you know, the the shirts, you know, with the collar up. He said he started firing out brands, and I'm like, man, you 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 must have had a better wardrobe than I had. And he's talking about these things, and I was kind of cringing at the same time because I was thinking, I hope you know, I hope some of those things don't really come back. And I, I you know, they just kind of look kind of weird, some of them, and they were meant to die, meant to die. And yet, I, I, as I look at the scripture and I look about the greatness of our God. And what does it say that his faithfulness will be? Look at it again. I want you to get this. To all generations. To all generations. I don't know a whole lot about my history. Um, I knew uh, my grandfather on both sides, and they both loved the Lord. My father-in-law here today, um, my dad, I saw him yesterday. They both loved the Lord. Seeking to love him myself, I'm seeking to have relationship and really find my hope in him and uh, be thankful, even as the scripture shares. I have sons here today uh, that are here at the church, and I'm seeking to impart to them how great God is. And and even my daughter said the other day, she said she said to me, she said, Dad, when I get married and have kids, will you be a grandpa? I said, Yeah, I will. And you know what's interesting about my grandkids that don't exist, that don't exist? That God will be enough for them if they would choose to follow after him. He will be faithful to them. And if God would bless them with kids and grandkids and great-grandkids and I'm dead and gone and great you know, it just keeps on going, that his faithfulness is throughout the generations. But there's not a sense of style where where we won't need God in the generations to come, but His faithfulness will not change. He will be good enough for them as well. 
I look at that and I look at how many different things change and I don't know if life will be like the Jetsons or something in the years to come. But God will still remain that one unchangeable good God, faithful to the end, worthy of our thanks and praise. I want to end with this this morning. I want to just uh, take us back to the time, that first Thanksgiving and I don't know, I, I'm not really a historian. Most of my history I get about Thanksgiving comes from the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. <clears throat> and I was watching it the other day. I, there were others with me. I wasn't doing this by myself. <clears throat> and I was watching this and I was thinking about, they were talking about how many people died on the way over and in that first year that they were there. And just the amazing miracles that happened with them being able to survive. And they gathered together and they, they wanted to have a time of celebration, of joy, because of the, the blessings that they had had that they were still alive. And I was thinking about what life must have been like for them as they celebrated with food and games and probably songs and, and, and joy. I, I was thinking about what that must have been like. And I think sometimes we, we picture in our minds that there's this joyous celebration, that everyone's smiling and singing, and they're having these good thoughts. They're eating too much and watching football. You, you think about this picture that everything is going great, but you know what? Undoubtedly, undoubtedly, there was empty spots at the table. There was empty spots where a, a husband or a wife who had passed away in the last couple of years, it was gone, it was empty. And there was a sense in which there were probably sickness still there, and there were some that were struggling and, and teetering on life and, and scars and bruises and, and, and the sense of even longing for comforts that they had once had. And, and there was a sense of heaviness. And yet they gathered to thank I want to tell you that Thanksgiving is not a, a celebration that we should have when everything's gone great in our life this last year. Thanksgiving is something we should do all the time because it's not based upon not having trials, but it's based upon us having a God who is faithful to us in the midst of trials all the time. A God who is good, is worthy of our praise. He is faithful to all generations. I hope that even this time uh, this morning kind of kicks off your Thanksgiving season and that you, uh, your heart can align with His own and that you can realize that God's been good to you, that He is worthy of our thanksgiving and our praise, and that we can let it out joyfully, like shouts of a trumpet, that we would call others to our God as well. Let's pray. God, thank you for this amazing psalm that reflects on your goodness. And God, I pray that you would bring us to yourself, that we would be able to see you clearly, that we would be able to see you as good as you truly are, and that the trials of this life would not distract us from your goodness. God, fill our hearts, fill our hearts with thanksgiving to you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Jim's going to come.